Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome back into Believe in Miami Heat for another week. Joey Levin here with you and joined, as always, by the two time NBA champ, former Miami Heat point guard from France this week, Norris Cole. Norris, what's going on, my man? What's going on, buddy? Let's, what's going on, Heat Nation? The champ is here. Yes, sir. And it's like, uh, you know, we took a week. We had that great conversation last week. For those of you who didn't, who haven't heard the show yet last from last week with Stan Remy, go check it out. We, we had a little bit of a different episode last week uh, where we talked about Stan's career. We talked about player development of some of the Heat players. There was so much that we got into. It was great. Go back and listen to it. But because of that, we took it was a little bit of a different week. We didn't really get into current happenings with the Heat at the time, so there's a lot to catch up on. Uh, the Heat have, but it, there's a lot to catch up on. But also, Norris, it's it's like Groundhog's Day a little bit with this Heat team because in that time since we since we interviewed Stan and since the last normal episode, the Heat went on a three game losing streak, and now they've won two in a row, and it just seems to be the story of the season for this team every week. It's like three, three losses in a row, three wins in a row, four losses in a row, five wins in a row. People are panicking. Then people are happy. It just, we still, we, we have 15 or so games left in the season and we still can't really get a full grasp of what to feel about this team because it's just constant streaks. Yeah, that's true. The team is, uh, <laughs> They've been consistently inconsistent, which is very concerning. But I still have a great feeling that when it counts, when it gets down to closer to the playoff time, I believe that the habits that the team is practicing and that they're trying to do during the games, I think it's going to come come to fruition. So, you know, I'm, I'm still hopeful. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at this team, the one thing that they've had – for the majority of this year that, you know, no other team in the East can say, particularly the teams ahead of them is the, the majority of the core pieces from a team that made a huge run last year. So it's a matter of finding the consistency, like you said, and, and we're going to talk a little bit later on about particularly at the very top of the Eastern conference, that one team may never get that continuity this year because of the injury issues that they have. So we will get into that. Um, and as of right now, as of today, the Heat stay, they are in seventh place, but just one game behind the Celtics, a game and a half behind the Knicks for the fifth seed, and just two games behind the Hawks for the fourth seed, but also just three and a half games from being in the ninth seed. It's a crazy year for the Eastern Conference with this, with this play-in situation. Absolutely. It's a crazy year. And that's what's actually making this year interesting because, you know, with the injuries to the different impact players, everybody is going to have a chance at the end of the day. All they have to do is continue to, you know, stay up in the rankings, stay in the playoff hunt. And then at the end, you never know what can happen. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate though, you know, that we have injuries this season, but in the year like this year with the shortened off season, it's kind of, I hate to say it, but it's kind of what I expected. 
you know, with the short off season, guys not being able to train the way they might normally train and having training camp. But the teams who are mature and can manage these things are going to be the teams that you know, can can have a chance to win the actual championship. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's there's never been anything like it, and there's always been injuries. But in, when you look one to ten, right? Because ten teams make it into uh, at least for the play-in this season. One through ten in the East, there's only two teams that really haven't had any nagging injuries. The Knicks have not really had a nagging injury, uh, and what was the other one? I was just uh, I guess. Well. That might be it. Honestly, every other team has had pretty like consistent injuries up and down the board in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So that's a fact. Every everyone's been nicked up. Yeah, health. You health can is go out be, west too. Same thing out west. Mm-hmm. I swear, I swear, I just had another team that didn't wasn't nicked up, but then I look back at the standing and looking at them right now, and it's like no, it's every team. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. It is. It is. It's, it's amazing. Yep. Norris, real quick, before we move on and start talking all things Miami Heat this past week, got to give a shout out to our favorite sponsor, Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The playoffs are right around the corner. We got Heat Nation. We have 14 games left as we're recording this podcast. Also, UFC 261 this weekend, Jorge Masvidal. Kamaru Usman, yeah, I'm going to be putting some money on that on Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Also, want to give a shout out to Monster Bass, another one of our new sponsors. They've been with us for a couple of weeks now. Why do I want to shout them out? Because I've mentioned this a few times. I've been trying to get back into fishing. I was never really a big fishing guy growing up, but I always wanted to. I tried here and there, but I live in South Florida. I should be doing it. I should be doing it more. And that's why I'm so excited about Monster Bass being our newest sponsor because Monster Bass is the fun, affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door each month. They're a premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and fish. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. It's basically, it's like having your own personal fishing guide, which I I desperately need because I haven't fished since I was a kid. And it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for baits. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere. They're the best baits from the best brands and you're covered by the industry's best customer service. So, and this is the big part. If you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to monsterbass.com and use the code HEAT. H-E-A-T-10, the number 10, and get $10 off your first box. Sign up for Monster Bass now. So obviously, health is going to be one of those things. Uh, and you know, let's start here with this last week or so for the Heat. One of the most consistent things for the Heat in a crazy year has been our guy, bam. And no more so than this past week, uh, I mean, he's had some higher scoring games. He's had uh, some all around. He's had a bunch of, he's been consistent. He's probably all around uh, other than Jimmy because of injuries, the most consistent all around player on the team this year. Cause he's been there every night. And then two games ago, the heat have now won two in a row as of this recording. 
two games ago against the Nets, who who also didn't have James Harden, the Heat didn't have Jimmy Butler, and then Kevin Durant got hurt in the game again. Jimmy or Bam Adebayo goes for 25 and 21 and 15, but has his first game winner of his career to beat the Nets 109, 107. Uh, and arguably more impressive, won't that didn't get as much credit in that game was the possession beforehand where he gets switched on to Kyrie and guarded Kyrie and didn't allow Kyrie to score. And uh, the defense that he played on one of the best individual scores in the NBA. So back-to-back plays to win that game by Bam, who has – we already knew he could be a star or is a star, but maybe like a true star-making moment for him because it was on national TV and because of the game winner. Absolutely, man. This As a young player, these are the plays that you will start to – accumulate as you be, become a star and last year he took steps into stardom he got the big contract and what she deserved and this is just another you know another play that's going to add to the legend of bam out of bayou um, we all know his impact defensively and rebounding and playmaking ability but he showed his evolution by being able to have the confidence to take and make that big shot and i think that's going to do nothing but boost his confidence as a young player when you're a young player and you you get the blocks, you get the rebounds, you know, you're a playmaker. But when you start being able to make clutch baskets, man, it takes your confidence to a whole nother level. He already has made clutch blocks, as we've seen before, mm-hmm. and clutch rebounds. But for him to be able to make a clutch basket, I think it's going to add to his stardom. And I think it's going to add to his confidence as a player. And when, when you unlock that unconsciousness as a confidence in yourself as a player, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and, if, and one of the most impressive parts of that that final possession to me was uh, there was no panic, right? Like a guy that is still young who has not been asked to be that guy at the end of a game. Like it, it, this hasn't been his role yet in his career where it's like, I just clear out and give Bam the ball. Uh, in a situation like that against, even without their best players, the best team in the East this year, the team that people believe will come out of the East if they're healthy. Uh, he had the ball for a good 12, 13 seconds, and he ran the clock down to the perfect amount of time to get the final shot, which is not, it seems like such an easy thing to do from an outside perspective looking in. But when you're not, when you're a essentially a five, who is not used to being the primary scorer at all times and isoing at the, at the, on the wing for a fine end of game shot, the confidence and the sense to know when to go and when, how long to hold the ball and when to go to get a game winning shot like that is almost as impressive because we know he can make a mid range jumper, but like the, the feel to be able to do it in that situation was pretty remarkable. Yeah, that was, like I said, that's just his evolution as a player, man. He's he's moving up the ladder in the quality of player that he is. He's already a high-level player, but he's just, you know how they say it's levels to this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's moving up levels. And like you said, him showing the poise to hang on to the ball and make the play shows that his confidence and his level as a player is still rising, which is a great sign for the Heat, given that he just signed that, you know, max deal. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like I think I mentioned, the the possession before guarding Kyrie, 
they came out ESPN stats and info put out this, these stats after the game when, when Bam got switched on to Kyrie and was his primary defender, Kyrie was 0 for eight in the game and players in general, when Bam was their primary defender in that game were three for 17 from the field. Um, like there was people after that game starting to say, and I think you've mentioned this on the show before too. So this is not a new thing for you, but it's the, the drum is starting to get banged a little bit, bam, for defensive to be in the discussion of defensive player of the year, not to get it necessarily, but to at least be in the discussion. Absolutely. I think he should always, I think moving forward, he's going to always be in that discussion. Obviously you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, you know, but you know, bam is right there when it comes to valuable you know, being defensively valuable to a team and anchoring, being the, being the anchor on a great defensive team. And um, to me, like I told you before, he, he's, 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 he's always should be in the running as I'm concerned. Anybody who doesn't count him as one of the top defenders, I'm not sure what league they're watching. Yeah, you know, you know what I think will hurt in terms of just individual awards for defensively? I think Bam and Jimmy will fall, will have the same issue that, for example, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will have with some voters or, you know, with MVP when you have guys like a Harden and a KD or an AD and LeBron where some voters will say, because if you look at what Jimmy Butler's done this year, now he hasn't played as many games, so he may not get the votes, but he leads the league in steals and he's one of the most impactful defensive wing players in the NBA. So I do think that when it comes to just individual awards, you can get not, you know how that goes. You can get, you can sort of get knocked on an individual award just because people, some people say, well, it's Jimmy. And some people say it's Bam. And some people say it's Spo. You know, like it's not one of those things. Like it's a team that's known to be great defensively, has a great defensive player. It hurts them. Not, I, I'm, and I, I agree that he should be in the conversation. I'm saying these are the, this is the one thing that I think could hurt him even in the future, as long as he plays with Jimmy, because Jimmy's so elite defensively. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't think it should. I mean, one year it could be one, the other year it could be the other. I mean, <laughs> I agree. I, I, I also. Mean, I oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was gonna say I also was interesting. I, I wonder what you think. Like, as we get towards the end of the year and we start discussing these end of the year awards, I also think that I don't know that they will, but I think voter like the way voters look at the awards this year should be changed. Like, they should look at it differently because of the situation. Like. I see people saying like, oh, Jimmy should be in this discussion, but he hasn't played enough games. Or like, I think Joel Embiid is, if if not the MVP, he's 1A behind Jokic. But people are not, are going to say, well, he, he's only played 40 games. But I think in this in this year, it I think you kind of have to take missed games out the window because it's such a unique situation and just look at the body of work in the games they played, unless they only played like 10 games. But if they played the majority of their team's games, they should be considered for these awards because of how unique this year is. Yeah. I, uh, nah, I think it does matter how many games you play, honestly. I, obviously, the more games you play, the the higher chances you're going to get. I don't think a guy who who's played significantly less games should necessarily win it over a guy who he may have better stats, slightly better stats than, but he's played significantly less games. I don't think he should win it over the guy who's played more games because part of being part of your ability is availability. And, Mm -hmm. 
when, when the valuable guys, whether you can control the injuries or not, you know, we know we can't always control injuries, but the most valuable guys are the guys that are available to play. And so I don't believe a guy should be punished because he's played all the games and lose to a guy who's played significantly less games, if that makes sense to you. Right. No, I, 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 no, and I think that's what the majority of people think. I just, there's something I, this year you left just, a name out too. You left a name out. You said Joel and B is right behind the Joker, but let's not forget about Dame Lillard either out there. Well, Dame's actually Dame, Dame has, and I, I'm with you because I actually on another podcast, my prediction was that Dame would finish in the top three in MVP, but two things have happened with that one. One is he hasn't played as well in the second half and Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, Steph, Steph has turned it up. I must say. Um, I, it would be hard for anybody to say Dame would be over Steph at this point. In, no, no. Dame is, def- Dame is definitely over Steph because Dame has done it longer. Steph hasn't done it long enough. Now, if he uh, does this all the way to the end of the season, yes. But yeah, I, yeah. I just I, I the other thing I'll say about the Steph situation, because I've talked about it a couple of times, is the fact that that team is going to be in the playoffs is a testament to just is to Steph's true greatness, because the roster is just not very good this year. I mean, it, it's he has really, really put that team on his back. And if you watch the games up until last game, he looks hobbled like he's had this this tailbone injury that you could tell he's been struggling with and he's still playing great. It's yeah. But Dame been doing that his, almost his whole career in Portland, <laughs> taking the team that's been injured, riddled with injuries and all that, and then taking them to the maximum levels that he can. So what Steph is doing has been stars in the NBA that has been doing that. You know, Russ had, Russ had been doing it. LeBron always did it in Cleveland. I mean, what Steph is doing is not new. It's just that it's new for him. I understand that. I'm just saying this, and if we're just talking about MVP for this season, yeah. um, it, it would be, I mean, it would, you, you had the Blazers have had some injuries this year, but the Blazers still are a team that should be a top five, four or five team in the West when they're healthy. This Warriors team, even at full strength this year, is a borderline playoff team. And right now they're a playoff team. Well, they're they're a play-in team because Steph is playing arguably some of the best basketball he's played in his entire career. Oh man, he's he's on one. Like yeah. I said, if he keeps if he keeps this up, he's definitely gonna be in the conversation. But yeah, I think MVP, a lot of people I think a lot of people are locked in on Jokic. Which I mean, is under, which is fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I mean Jokic is looking like modern day Larry Bird right now. <laughs> A different evolution. I'd say like the next def- the next evolution of Dirk, right? Uh, nah, 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 nah. He not he nah. He's not as prolific a scorer as Dirk. He's averaging like twenty five. Yeah, this is his first time doing that. Dirk is the top six scorer of all time. Yeah, but he's not. He's not as prolific he's more, a scorer. He's more as Larry, Larry Bird. He's, he's yes, he is. Larry Dirk is more of Dirk is a better scorer than Larry Bird. What are you talking about? I but Larry Bird averaged twenty five. In yeah, all you, the time. But, but Larry Bird also had the rebounds and assists. Dirk was not high. That's why I mean. Well, that's what I mean. That's I, that's why I say the the a different the evolution of what they're like a seven footer who could handle, but now he also can pass and do all the other no, things. No, 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 no. no. I don't think Larry I don't think Bird, Jokic is like Larry Bird. Dirk, I get I get what you're saying from a like stats. A modern, no, from a playing styles perspective too. He's a modern. He's like a 
Larry Bird type of player. He uses his he uses his size, his positioning. He doesn't dribble the ball as fast as Larry Bird, but he's tall like Larry Bird. He he doesn't have a great physique like Larry Bird, <laughs> but but he can pass and play make and do everything like Larry Bird at his own pace. High arc and release shot like Larry Bird is like Larry Bird's little son. <laughs> Larry Bird. He's definitely Sonics. not like a Dirk style player. No, sir. No, nowhere near a Dirk style player. Do I? I mean it in a sense of a seven footer who can handle the ball and can shoot, no, but also no, 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 no. Larry Bird, bro, not Dirk. Yeah, but I would say I just don't see Larry and Jokic in the same mold. I, I get what you're saying in terms of the skill. Um, it's just I think I was thinking of it more from a size perspective, like. Same position. How, how tall you think? How tall you think Larry Bird? Larry Bird is like six ten. He's, he's like six no nine. Guy. He's like six nine, six ten. But he wasn't a center. Like these are these guys are. I mean, Dirk was a four, but he was more of a. He was a seven foot. He's a legit seven footer. Jokic is a five. So I, it they're like a, it's like a a hybrid. I mean, really, we could compare him to whoever we want. He's 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 Jokic. Like there's never really been anyone like him. So, Man, just, Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich is just the great one of the greatest coaches of all time. Said it. He's like modern day Larry Bird. And if you watch him play and watch their film, that's what he looked like. <laughs> Go look uh, at some Larry Bird film. I watch I watched a lot of Larry Bird. I I I get the skill thing. It's uh I think the size thing is what changes for me. It's just so he's so big. He's so he's not big. that much bigger than Larry Bird. <laughs> Larry Bird is a big individual. He might not weigh as much, but he's as far as height is concerned. Larry Bird is a giant out there. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair <laughs> comparison. I, I get, I get it, I get it, I get yeah, it, man. Um, he's, but I, I, either way, that came up. We that came up because I think because he's basically of all of the MVP candidates this year, he's played the whole year. So that that's what's going to be his advantage. Yeah, and and they were and. I mean, before the Jamal Murray injury, there was people picking them to potentially come out of the West, if if you know, depending on what happened with the Lakers, because they really have been a great team, and they're still very good without Jamal Murray. But um, but that being said, uh, I don't think Bam will get back to Bam. Is I don't think he'll get it this year, but he should be in the conversation. Uh, I think people are just still for. I, I don't I, for some reason. As good, even though the national media knows how good Bam is, I still don't think he. I don't know if it's something about the Heat and the way the Heat play is so much as a, as a team uh, that the the stats don't necessarily wow you, mm-hmm. uh, and so they don't get as much credit. Maybe that's what it is, but I just don't think he's going to get. I don't think he'll get as much attention for defensive players of the year as he maybe should. Well, part of that is because you know. Philadelphia is so good this year Mm -hmm. and the hype around Philadelphia, um, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, you know, that brings a lot of attention. And sometimes, you know, they forget about, you know, Miami because those three teams are getting a lot of headline news in the Eastern conference. So obviously eyes are going to gravitate more to the players on those teams, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But but it should be no reason why he shouldn't be at least in the discussion as a finalist for defensive player of the year in my eyes, you know, 
Yeah. But yeah. who am I? But who am I? You know, I'm well, gonna, and the voters look voting is as much about narrative and right personal exactly. and personal opinions as it is about performance. So exactly. that's what happens when when an award I, I believe, yeah, that's what happens when an award is voted on by the media. So it is what it is. Um elsewhere, so at now that's he's been obviously all year he's been so good for the heat, but in this up and down year. One of the guys who has probably been the most up and down on the floor has been Tyler Hero. Um, and a lot of the year has been down, admittedly. You know, he struggled at the beginning of the year. And then after the break, he had a little stretch where he started to, we start, he started to turn things around a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then now over the last five, he's averaging eight points a game, shooting 18% from three since the break shooting 30% from three, just about 14 a game, and then about 15 a game on the season. Um, but, you know, we, and you know, when, before the show, we always, we, we talk a little bit, what are we going to talk about today? What's the show? And I, I mentioned to you, like, I really wanted to get into this Tyler Hero thing because I understand you made a great point to me about we can't harp too much on the age. And, and I was harping on the, on his age a little bit, but Heat fans have seen Heat Nation, so to speak, has a, a big portion seems to have almost given up on this kid. And I, it's just so, and it, it's incredible to me that I understand he's having, he has struggles. There's parts of his game that need to evolve. But a kid who performed at the level that he performed last year for this team. And the flashes that we've seen in a sophomore year as a 21 year old for people to be so hard on this guy that it's just like, Oh, he he's, he's a bench player. You know, he's a guy, he's a, you know, he's a, a great, he's a good six man at best. That's what I'm hearing from people. Good six man at best. Like I, I just, it's crazy that the expectations have been lowered so much because he's having a, a struggling, he's struggling in his sophomore season. Yeah, that's 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 the what have you done for me lately era that we live in. No one has patience when it comes to, you know, young players anymore. It's just like be a star now or you're no use or no good to me. No one wants to go through the process of what it takes to be a really good player. And and, and that's the unfortunate part. If you're a true basketball mind, a true fan of the game and understand how this game really works, you understand that young players are going to have up and downs, just like people, regular people have ups and downs, let alone playing a high, you know, a high pressure sport like this. And so, you know, he's having up and up and downs, but this is not a prototypical year coming off of COVID shortened off season, shortened training camp or no training camp. Really? I mean, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is just not ideal. And so for, for him to be struggling, I'm sure he's working on his game. Um, you know, he has to hang in there because he's not the only player. He's one of thousands of players that have came through this league that has struggled in any season, let alone the sophomore season. So I just think he has to hang in there. He has to keep his head down and on the grind and focus and not listen to the outside noise. You know, and for those who are being critical of him, it's okay to criticize this game, I guess, because that's fair. But just understand that Young players go through ups and downs. That's part of being a young player. And I think, I think he's 
shown that he's more than capable of being a high level player potentially in this league. Yeah. And I, I just, what happens with, and I've learned this since we started doing this show Norris, right. Uh uh Because of social media, right. The fans and we love the fan. We love heat nation and every team has their fan base. But what happens is fan bases, they become like this family almost on Twitter and everyone talking to each other and having these discussions and people get so, and there's so much access to tape and breakdowns and this and that, that there's so many people talking about players games that have really never been involved in. And I hate to be like one of these guys that's like, Oh, you've never been involved in the game. So you don't know. Cause a lot of fans know they watch a lot of tape, but I mean, I think it gets so overblown because like you said, a kid, a 21 year old kid in a COVID year who hasn't had a, who had a shortened off season. When we say like, he's not explosive enough or he can't guard this guy, or he's not good enough in pick and roll or like these things that he hasn't even had a chance to like develop into um, things that other players in this league struggle with as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> things that other good young players struggle with as well. I can go name a bunch of other elite young players that struggle with the same things he's struggling with. Exactly. And and I'll just say this in terms of the actual on the court stuff. I don't know what Tyler Hero is going to be. Maybe Tyler Hero is a great six man. And you know what? There's no problem with that because we right. see we see how important being a great six man is in this league. Okay. Ask, but, ask Lou Will. Ask exactly. Will and, uh, you know, yeah. Jamal it, Crawford, how good, it, you know, how important they were to their teams. Exactly. Or Man, Manu Ginobili. Or Manu Ginobili, who's the best one of all of them. Right. So that, but maybe he is Devin Booker. Who knows? We don't know. He's 21 years old. We don't know. Give the kid time to develop. And I think Absolutely. part of what's happened, and then we're going to go into the other thing about it, which I, it, we talked about a little bit too, which I just, it just, I, it, it gets to me. But the other thing about it is the Calm time. Calm down, Joey. Calm no, but down, listen, Joey. Part of the problem is, part of the problem is the timeline <laughs> has shifted for the heat because of Jimmy. And if that's not a bad thing. Right, right. Everyone has to understand that because the Heat got Jimmy Butler and because they went to the finals last year, your timeline in your mind of where this team should be shifted. Therefore, your timeline of what Tyler Hero and Bam and all these players should be shifted. Bam is a very unique player. It's very rare that a guy becomes as good as quickly as Bam has as a 13th pick in the draft. Just doesn't happen that much. So don't compare Bam's rapid development to a guy like Tyler Hero's development. He's in the second year of his career. Give him a chance to succeed before just saying, oh, he's a six man at best. And that's it. Like, you don't know. None of us know. We don't know. Right. Right. Now, you're, you're right. And plus, understand there's levels to this. There's level. Bam has shown that he can be like a top, top tier player. But just because maybe Tyler hasn't shown that yet doesn't mean he still can't be a really, really good player in this league. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Like you said, give it time, give it time, give it time. He, if, if let's say he is just a, a elite six man, every championship team needs an elite six man. <laughs> just so, sure. so you know, I believe he's going to be more than that. But if he is not more than that, you know, that's still a great, you know, that's still great to be an elite six man. But give him time. He's his second year out in this non-ideal climate that we're all living in. I just, patience is key. But you guys, whoever, whoever Joey's talking about, 
man, you, I don't, I need you to calm down. I can't have my co-host Joey, you know, on fire like this. Hey, just, hey, Joey, man, get some ice water, man. Cool off, man. Cool well, off. Well, you know how, you know, a couple weeks ago, you got fired up when I was talking about guys being too old. I'm yeah, getting fired yeah, up yeah, about yeah. people giving up on a guy who's so young. Hey, man, I feel you. Both of us need to drink some ice water. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, so, but here's the thing that got me, that got me fired up was this. So there's two reporters that cover the heat that did a podcast. Don't, we don't name drop. We don't name drop. But, listen, here's the thing. Heat Nation, if they listen to us, they probably listen to that too. You For know, sure. They, they, and, and not only that, this, the reason I even found out, I don't listen to this specific podcast. The reason mm-hmm. I went back and listened to it and I listened to the whole segment was because this quote that got pulled from the podcast went everywhere. It was all over the place. Okay. Mm, okay. So the, essentially the gist of the, of the conversation that these two guys ended up having about Tyler hero was that Tyler hero. I'll, I'll read the two quotes. The first quote, one of the first quotes was Tyler hero chose to become a celebrity. He chose to become something outside the game as is his right with his breakfast cereal and his Tyler Tuesdays, his Chipotle bowl. And that's all well and good, but you know what, you know what other players, when they see a player doing that before they've truly reached it, I don't know if I want to say there's jealousy. They sort of take a scant view of the guy and say, wait a minute, buddy, you haven't done anything yet. And then the other reporter said, everybody is entitled to their own personal life and we don't try to bring it up. And look, the greatest player in Miami heat history, there was a lot of stuff that we knew about that we didn't talk about. It's just the way this played out. And he grew through some, grew through some things. And we all know who we're both talking about, but ultimately the team starts to get a certain level of concern in this particular case, the team has been concerned now for months and that's kind of where it's at, but they were concerned with players during the big three era. This one is different because the kid is 21. And the thing that drives me crazy about this is like, he's been, if, okay. So, so you're telling me that the team's been concerned about this for months, which means you as a reporter have probably known this for a little while and you chose now to say it on a podcast while he was having the worst stretch of his career. Yeah. I don't... And what, when, and how does this benefit anybody? Like, how does this yeah, benefit I, anybody? Like, please, exp- I, I make it make sense to me, Norris, because how does this benefit anybody? And in the social media era, you want this kid to succeed, but you're putting out reports that the team's concerned. You know, he sees it. It's everywhere. Yeah. I think it's unfortunate when people bring up things that have nothing to do with this on court, you know, performances. I, I believe every player has a right to use this game to elevate their life. And so if he does have a brand or things that he's doing off the court to make more money, to, you know, elevate himself as an individual, there's nothing wrong with that. And we should never criticize that as long as it's not compromising the shield of the NBA or compromising his health or his game. And so to just bring that up, I don't know how necessary that was. I think we need to just stick to basketball. If you want to criticize, he say he's not playing well, then just say that. But, to bring up, you know, personal things that, you know, he's not breaking the law. He's not doing anything controversial. I think you should just leave that alone. That's my personal opinion on the matter. Yeah. Plus, he's a young kid. He's a young kid in Miami, too. I mean, what would you do if you were a young guy from wherever anyone else is from and moved to Miami and had millions of dollars? I mean, 
Listen, <laughs> I can tell you, Norris, I could tell you from personal experience of my 20s, if I was Tyler Hero, I would have been out of the league in a year. I wouldn't have been able to handle it. The, the money and the fame and all that. No, it, I just, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been as responsible as these guys are. So I <laughs> I commend you. I commend anybody who's able to do it because it's it is a I, I everybody wants it, but not everybody understands what comes with it. Not as easy as it looks, bro. I get it, and everybody think. Oh, no, I, I know, and I think everybody thinks they would like. Ah, I would, you know, I'll take it. I can do it. Not everybody's built that way, and that's how not everybody makes it too. But uh, I just I I don't like that now that he's struggling and we're trying to create narratives and, and really where this all kind of started was because Kendrick Nunn is start is playing really well. The conversation was when Vic comes back, should Tyler hero be the one that gets benched and Kendrick Nunn be the one who gets minutes. And then it all turned into this whole conversation about Tyler hero and how good he actually is. And is he struggling? Cause he cares about being a celebrity too much. Like, Maybe he's Yo, just maybe he's just a second year player who's going through a little strong because exactly. <laughs> so like Kendrick, by the way, everyone was ready to trade Kendrick Nunn last year after the after the, the bubble. I don't think all these people that are saying Kendrick Nunn should be playing over Tyler Hero right now. You all were gassing up Tyler Hero in the finals and were ready to cut Kendrick Nunn because it looked like it was all fluke. Y'all, it was all oh. We, we got a good stretch out of him, but he's not good anymore. Now, all of a sudden, he's better than Tyler Hero. Come on, guys. Like, maybe well, he just, is, maybe he's not, but they're both in their second year in the league. Like, That's just fans for you, man. Fans are, you know, more emotional. They're, you know, they, they're, they've proven that they can be sometimes wishy-washy, you know. So that just comes with the territory of, you know, being a professional and you have to work your way through it. And that's why you kind of commend you commend those players who are able to be so consistent, you know, a year in and year out, you know, you commend those guys. And then for the younger players, you just continue to work your process and understand this is, you know, this is part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I and I've, I've had to, as I've worked in the media over the years, learn, and, and I worked in the league as we know, like, so I, I think I have a little more empathy towards just the situation of knowing what player, like the life of being a professional athlete. So I've tried to not judge what players do off the court, the way people love to talk about that. I just think we, as a community of media, because we're part of it now too, doing a, 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 a podcast, we can, right. be, we can be so much better than what we do in terms of the way we, the discourse that we have about players' lives. Like, it's just, I know that when you're a public figure and you, you know, this better than I do, but when you're a public figure, it just happens, but we can be better about the way we discuss these things because the, this whole conversation that they had about Tyler Hero was just made me cringe. Yeah, man. Don't, don't let it get to you, man. Every, everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know, some things are unfortunate, but yeah. Hey, we have our own podcast and we, you know, we do things a little different over here, and that's that's what makes us us. You know, yeah, and we'll and we'll hold it down for Tyler because we still believe it. We believe in Tyler Hero, and absolutely and you know shout out and, Tyler Hero. And I'll say this to everybody: we love you, Heat Nation. But when Tyler Hero is hitting a game winner in the playoffs, keep the same energy. All right, keep the same <laughs> energy. Um, talk to him, Joy. Talk to him, Joy. Talk that talk, baby. Now, before we pivot and change subjects, I got to talk about something that actually does. It also frustrates me, but it's for a totally different reason. 
that reason is, you know, I live down here in South Florida and my whole life I've had sunglasses and I, I, you know, I, I never want to spend a ton of money because I always break my sunglasses or they, they, they don't, they're not the right tint or they, they break or whatever happens. They're just not great. Um, and that's why I'm so happy about our sponsor, Canaan. Uh, it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Trust me, I know. Also, they do these, they have these blue light glasses that if if you're like me and you're on a computer a lot because you podcast or you type or you write or you do whatever you do, the blue light glasses that they sell on their website, blue light glasses are a lifesaver if you get headaches, just to keep that in mind. Use the exclusive code, excuse me, easy for me to say, use the exclusive code Canaancast15 at Canaan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5, Canaan, clearly better. Now, another guy who's been up and down this year who was basically out the door at the trade deadline was Duncan Robinson. And now all of a sudden, Duncan Robinson, fifth all-time in three-pointers made in, in Heat history, passed Dwayne Wade. He's the only player in Heat history with 200-plus threes in two different seasons. And it's the second consecutive year that he's done it in a shortened NBA season. Listen to this. Yeah, I, I heard this stat, or I, I read this stat actually right before we started recording. Duncan Robinson is shooting 40.9% on eight and a half attempts from three per game. If he finishes over 40% on eight plus attempts, he'll be the third player in league history with at least two seasons of those marks joining Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. He's an elite shooter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's the elite shooter, bro. Uh, unbelievable. Just just I again, it's it's one of these stories that's just like, just like the story of how this season went. We were freaking out, you know, not maybe us, but people. Like the narrative, it was like, is Duncan has has Duncan regressed? He was shooting like thirty eight percent in the first half of the year, and it was like, oh no, Duncan, what's wrong? And now he has a chance to have one of the greatest shooting seasons stretches, two year runs in the history of the game. That's why earlier in the year when, when we was talking about it, I said Spoke's gonna stick to the process. He gonna he's gonna keep confidence in his guys. This is this is why. Yeah. He he's and he's be he's he just becomes he's one of the most important because of how much the offense has just continues to be up and down and more down than up. But uh, he's just so valuable. He's so valuable. I, it's weird because it's like, what would Kyle, like the, the conversation was that Duncan would be one of the centerpieces if we would have got Kyle Lowry, but like, man, at this point in their career, I know how good Kyle is, but how much would that have changed the heat to not have an elite shooter like this? Well, we don't know. We don't, we don't have to live in the what if all we had to do is say, we got one of the best shooters in the league. Yeah, that's true. He was point. he was struggling. He was struggling early. Now he's on fire, and that's yeah. what he's here to do. <laughs> yep. We don't, we uh, don't even got to go down that what if stuff. Yep. And then the last two guys I wanted to talk about before we get into a couple other things to wrap up the show, talking about you know the rest of the East, is a uh, shout out to Dwayne Dedman, who has in three games he's played in three games and. 
he's starting to already look like a steal. He's averaging eight and seven in the three games that he's played. He had a double double in 15 minutes against the nets. Um, he's, he looks different. Like I remember watching him play here and there, and I know he's always been big. He's been a good, decent rim protector. He's tall. He looks like he's put on muscle. He's stronger. And he's like, he came in and basically he knew like, it was like the heat were like, here's what we need. We need someone to give bam 15 minutes of rest a game and you better rebound. Cause we have been struggling rebounding and he's in there banging. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's playing their defensive rating when he's on the floor is unbelievable. Like he has been in just three games. It's like, Whoa, another steal by the heat front office of a guy who I, I, I bet if you pulled a hundred NBA fans, 90 of them didn't know he still was an NBA player because he had been hurt for so long. Yeah. He's definitely showing his value. And one thing that the heat understand is the value of pieces on a team. You don't need a bunch of stars on the team. You need, players who are going to star in their role and what you need. And that's one thing that uh, Miami has consistently been good at bringing in pieces that are going to complement the team. You know, they don't, they're not trying to look for the next star all the time. You know, they want to bring in pieces that are going to complement the team so that the team can move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're great at doing that. (laughs) They're great at doing that. Yep. And then, Trevor Ariza has over the last five games shooting 56% from three. And obviously we heard uh, this shouldn't, this may be surprising how well he's played so quickly, but uh, if you go back and listen to Remy last week on this here podcast, you won't be surprised to hear how good Trevor is when you hear the story of how badly Trevor wanted to play for Miami heat. That was an incredible story that, Stan told us last week that he was the way he explained that situation of Trevor getting down here, but he has been great for the heat filling into that four spot that we so desperately know the heat needed all year. Uh, He's been remarkable. Absolutely. He's the ultimate pro as well. He's, he's the ultimate pro. He's a champion. He knows what it takes and his playing style and his attitude fits the Miami heat way. He's tough. He has tenacity. He has championship pedigree, you know. He he has he's he's battle tested, and and he has you know a guy like Remy in his corner to you know keep him you know keep him sharp, and so I think it's, it was the perfect fit. And I like I said once, like I just said before, the Heat know how to go out there and find pieces that are going to contribute to their team, people who are going to star in their role. And Trevor, he you can tell he's starting to get used to to the Miami Heat way. And his shooting is, a, is, a, is evidence of that. And I think it's so funny. I was thinking about the last year's deadline and how they traded for the heat traded for Igadala, and it was the Igadala trade. But when it came mm-hmm. to the playoffs, Jay Crowder ended up being the, the, the trade the yep. trade. And now with the uncertainty of Oladipo, we, we may end up, we, we don't know, like he will be back, but we don't know how healthy he is. We don't know what's going on. Like, the Ariza trade may end up being the most valuable trade for the heat because of how well he's playing. And then the Deadman pickup, like those two could end up being just as valuable in the long run because look, the Vic, you bring Vic in, then now you're a whole different team. And obviously it changes everything and you're so much better, but let's just say he's not hundred. We don't know what's going on with him. You still have most of the, a, a big chunk of the players that took you to the finals last year. 
but you just didn't have those two, the, that couple pieces of Trevor that stretch four and the backup big. Now you have them. And it's just sort of remarkable that the, the, for the second year in a row, it's potentially we had the big splashy move, but the, the, the moves that flew under the radar end up being the more important could end up being the more important ones. Not that they are. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I, I think that these moves could potentially be similar to last year. Let's, you know, we have to be more consistent, though, before we could truly, truly believe it. You know, this this one in three games, losing four games trend that we've been on all season. We have to we, we have to limit that at some point. We have to limit that at some point before we can truly, truly say that, you know, we have a legit chance this season. Especially because of the play in situation. Right. Because right now they're Absolutely. seven. Um, actually, you know what? Let me ask you about that before we finish up here. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the play and because that's been a hot topic around the NBA this past couple of weeks because Luca came out and complained about it a little bit and then Mark Cuban backed him up and now people have been going back and forth. And as I dug into it a little more, I kind of am on their side. Like the play in the league should have set more clearly defined parameters on what the play in who, who eligible to be in the play in. Because if you look at the Eastern Conference right now, the Heat are 30 and 28, two games above 500. If they let's if the if the playoffs started today, they'd play the Hornets, who are eight. The winner of that game would be the seven seed. That this is how the play-in works. Seven plays eight, the winner gets the seven seed. Nine plays ten, and then ha- and then the winner of the nine ten plays the loser of seven eight. Yeah, right. I'm not. A, I don't. I don't agree with the playing game. I believe that it was good for last year because of the extreme circumstances of the bubble and the NBA trying to make up for revenue that it might have lost. So I last year it was okay, but now that they're back to you know basically a normal season, the regular season matters. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in the playoffs, get in the top eight. Period. The regular season it makes the regular season less valuable when you do that. The playoffs are not supposed to be for everybody. You're not, you know, it's supposed to be for the best of the best teams. And traditionally, that's been the top eight. And so, if you're not in the top eight, you don't make the playoffs. That's just plain and simple. I, I don't. I think the NBA is overthinking it. I think it's just too much. The top eight make it. It makes the regular season be more meaningful. It makes competition, you know, better for the regular season for those teams that are in, you know, in contention. And leave it at that. You know, in, in extreme circumstances like last year, sure. But don't get carried away. And make, you know, the, make the regular season mean something and keep it at the top eight. You know what's even crazier about it is, well, and I will say this, and the reason why I turned a corner on it is because, let's just say it ended today. The Heat are 30 and 28. Let's say the Heat win that first game and beat the Hornets. The Bulls, if they were to win that game, the Bulls are 24 and 30. They're 10 games under 500. You're telling me a team that's 10 games under 500 can win one game and be a playoff team. They don't deserve to be a playoff team, but they have Zach Levine in a one game series. Zach Levine can go for 50 or the wizards who are 24 and 33 have the same record. You're telling me you wouldn't be scared to play one elimination game against Russ and Brad Beal. It's just, but, but they don't deserve it. Yeah, man. I don't even want to make it about the heat because that situation that you just said is crazy that that could actually even be possible. That, that is just 
just crazy to even think about. But I, well, I yeah, and it, and it could wrong. happen. It I could be the heat on all levels. I think it's wrong on all levels to reward losing teams. Yeah. You know, like if you're not in the top eight, you're not in. You got to have parameters. Like the playoffs are supposed to be for the best of the best, top eight in each conference, and that's the way it is. Hmm. And if you want to make that make it better, you don't add more teams to it. You actually make less teams. <laughs> Yeah. So that the regular, so that the regular season has even more competition, but to add more teams to have a chance to make the playoffs, I think is just, you know, it's, it's kind of showing the politics of the league because in some of those nine and eight C teams are superstar players, you know, yeah. And so you know, guys want to, you know, give everyone a, a chance, but I don't agree with it at all. I don't like to play in. Yeah, and and there was the and I thought I mean it's not funny. It kind of sucks for the Pelicans, but I will say this there was speculation last year that the league created the play in situation last year. Cause they wanted Zion to be in the playoffs and that, and then the Pelicans didn't even make it. And then this year they're not going to make it either. I mean, right now they're five, they're four games out of the plan. So with like 14 games to go, it's going to be really tough for them to catch up. So for the second year in a row, if that was their goal, it's not going to happen. Now, as far as the East goes, I mean, we've talked about the East being up in the air all year, but now again, here we go. James Harden had a, a setback with his hamstring. He's out, I guess, indefinitely. He, Steve Nash said they're back to square one with the hamstring. Wow. And, they, and that he could be back by the playoffs. He could be back before the playoffs, but all they know is he's not coming back right now. Um, and KD's yeah, obviously been banged man. up. Uh, it. It's uh, two, the two questions I have are, are they, even if let's say Harden doesn't play early in the playoffs, or even if he's banged up in the playoffs, are they still the prohibitive play? Like with just KD and Kyrie, are they the favorites? And then also just to talk about like, even if they're all back for the playoffs, these guys have only played seven games together this year. The three of them, Kyrie, KD, and James Harden. Yeah, so I'll answer the first question. If KD is healthy and Kyrie are healthy, they're still going to be the favorites. They won't be like the prohibited heavy favorite like they would be, mm-hmm. but they still would be the favorite because, I mean, those two are proven champions. Philadelphia hasn't proven it yet. Giannis and Milwaukee hasn't proven it yet. So I still believe Brooklyn would be the favorite. But I believe that they're very, very beatable with just those two. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe I believe that they can be beat. Um if all three of them are healthy, if, if all three of them are healthy, then, you know, <laughs> even if they don't have that much playing experience, good luck beating them. It's, it's still going to be tough to beat them. It's, there's, there's, like I said, they're still going to be beatable because their defense is not great. But sure. the amount of points that you're going to have to score night in and night out to beat that team, 90, 80 to 90% of teams in the NBA are not capable of doing that. Yeah, it's crazy. I was thinking yeah. the, the only team – truly right now and i watched it because i've and it's probably a recency bias on my part too mm-hmm. but i've been watching philly so much lately and i mean Embiid is so good and yeah, is, is so damn good and the thing is is like yeah you're gonna have to score a lot of points with them but they're not gonna they they can't stop Embiid. now the the question becomes can Embiid do it you know can he stay healthy is he fresh enough is he conditioned enough to do it every night in the playoffs long term whatever but what i'm watching him do 
he has taken his game to a different level that we haven't seen from him in his career. And that's the one guy that I truly believe could really like, I, they're not, no one can shut him down the way he's playing right now. Nah, Joel Embiid is, is an X factor, but the real X factor is Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Ty, uh, Tobias Harris, Danny Green with Doc Rivers. Right. That That's the big thing, you know, having, having, having him play MVP level is great, but having him have a coach who's won it all before, I think that gives them a considerable higher chance as well, having Doc, you know, be the head of the ship. Yeah. Yep. Oh, we actually did. We even we never even got to talk about Lamarcus on here, did we? Because we 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 did the show with Stan last week. We never really yeah, got to yeah, talk about yeah, Lamarcus man. retiring. Shout out! Shout out to Lamarcus Argers, man. Um, I'm sad to hear about what happened, but I'm happy he was able to catch it before it was too late and Absolutely. be able to be able to adjust and you know get some quality time with his family because you know nothing is more important than your life and than than your health and your family. So. You know, I'm sad that he had to retire abruptly like that, but I am happy that he caught, you know, caught on to what was going on and he is able to address it and, and be safe now. Yep. And you know what? Something good will happen for him. Like, absolutely. He'll, he'll go back and coach or he'll go and work in a front office and he'll get his ring like that. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, or he can just relax and spend time with his family. Right. I'm saying the, if he enjoyed the millions and enjoy the millions that he absolutely. Earned. I just mean, like, he went to, he went to, like, he could have retired two years ago, three years ago, he went to New Brooklyn to get a ring. So if it's bugging him that bad and he wants a like if he, if he has the itch, he can go back, you know, get into coaching, get into the front, do something and get a ring that way. Like it'll happen for him if he really wants to, because people want to be involved with a guy like that, who is known as just a great pro and also a border. He's not a hall of famer, but a borderline hall of fame career. Uh, I, Cause he had a stretch where he was one of the best bigs in the NBA. Yeah, he. What happened to him was the league, right during his heights of his powers, the league switched on him. The the Steph Curry, the Steph, the Steph Curry switch happened right while he was, you know, at his powers in Portland. So, you know, he had a great career. I'm not sure. I don't don't think he'll be Hall of Famer, but he definitely had a great career. He definitely, I believe, he should have his number retired in Portland for all of the great years he gave that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. He had he had he had a great career. And I'll tell you, even his the last few years in San Antonio, like to go there to basically be Tim Duncan's replacement for a few years and keep that franchise relevant while they were rebuilding is was impressive. Um, Absolutely, because they, you know how it is, like that that franchise could have been bad for a minute, but he went there and chose to, you know, help them in a transitional period where, realistically, he had to know that it was an uphill battle for them to win a title there, but you know, replacing a legend's not easy. <laughs> so, uh, at all. you know, shout out to him for that. Um, and yeah, I agree a hundred percent, you know, just, just happy for him that he was able to do it while he was healthy and that he wasn't forced to do it in, in a sense of something bad happening. Like he chose to not risk it anymore and went out on his own terms, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, all right. You're last, right. What, go ahead. Sorry. What'd you say? Go, go, go ahead, brother. Last thing. I want to get your thoughts on that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about since it ha- since uh, last time we talked. D Wade is a partial owner of an NBA team, but they're in Utah. <laughs> it's the Utah Jazz. D Wade is a partial owner of the Utah Jazz. What are your thoughts? 
Uh, that's a big time move. I'm um, happy for him. Congratulations to my big bro, D Wade. Um, you know, he's continuing to, you know, raise the standard for, for players to be more than just basketball players. Um, obviously, I'm sure it surprised a lot of people that it was Utah, but, you know, the NBA is a big family. And, you know, I'm happy to see that he's promoting ownership, you know, showing, showing young guys that, hey, we, we can be more than just players, that we can actually, you know, be in ownership positions. So, you know, shout out to D-Wade for sure. Yeah, I'm happy for him. It was, it was such a weird reaction because Heat fans were like, what? Why isn't he with the Heat? You know, let, let's have him have an ownership, ownership stake in the Heat. And people got mad at Mickey Harrison and this and that. But, it was, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him because it's an incredible, I mean, how many guys have ever done it? One, two? I mean, Magic. Uh, was Magic even a part owner in the Lakers at, at any point? Or is he just a part owner of the Dodgers? Obviously, MJ owns the Hornets, but like how many former players are part owners of current currently of teams? It's just not many. I don't think. Yeah. I'm not um, sure the number, but you know, there's definitely a step in the right direction. And, you know, I think more players, you're going to see more players do this. And he's, you know, he's a trailblazer. Anyway, it is definitely a trailblazer for sure. It was just, when I saw that it was the jazz. Yeah. I, that was surprising to everybody. <laughs> it's just like, what is that? What, what a world, what a world yeah, we live in. You wait is because we all we all know the rumors. We all have heard the rumors of what goes on out in Utah. So for him to be a part of that ownership Listen, group, and Norris, to... I know you're a you're a, you're a, you're a good dude. So you and you you just want to you want to be a nice guy. So you call it rumors. You can call it rumors, but we know what Utah. We know about Utah. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm glad know. that he's there to. You but you know, know what? To help help write that. Some exactly. Of that. That's what I was going to say. Is that maybe that having him being involved in that team and that community helps, you know, I don't know that it's going to change a ton because of what that, you know, that's a, it's a different place, Salt Lake city, but um, maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll help. You never know. Maybe, maybe he can start pushing things forward a little bit. Oh, only time will tell. Yeah. Shout will. out D Wade though. Shout out to Wade County, man. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, Hey, uh, we got 14 games left. Then we got a, a playoff run to look forward to. Uh, we will. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode last week with Stan. If not, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. It was great. We will have more, Absolutely. more guest episodes in the future. Um, we'll be back next week. The Heat play tonight as we're recording this. He'd have like four more games before the next one. So hopefully we continue this win streak and we come back to you. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll take the win streak, even though it is just yet another streak. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening. Bet Online presented, or excuse me, Believe in Miami Heat presented by Bet Online. Got to get that in there. Uh, Norris, you want to go ahead and take us out? Heat Nation just completed another episode. Stay with us and make sure y'all go get some ice water for Joey and cool him off. He was a little hot this episode. Got to cool Joey y'all. But until next time, the champ, we out!
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.